It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmoke, joined by Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's busy show today. We're going to continue our school prospect breakdown, and we only have two more days of these guys, only a few more schools to go, as we've kind of talked about a bunch of people here so far. We're going to have Penn State's play-by-play man, Steve Jones, at 1240, but we're going to lead off the show with um, a guest that covers the Cincinnati Bearcats, obviously had a unlikely run into the uh, college football playoffs this year, and covering them for the Athletic is Justin Williams. Justin, you got John Schmelk, Paul Dottino, and Jeff Fiegels here in East, East, East Rutherford, New Jersey. I just ran in from the practice field. Sorry. Uh, hope you are well, and I appreciate you joining us, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Nah, no problem, Justin. So I guess we should start with the quarterback. He's the leader of the team. Uh, a lot of people think he's getting first-round buzz. What are the things that stood out to you about Desmond Ritter, and what are the things that you would maybe have some concerns about heading into the NFL? Yeah, I mean, kind of the two things that, that stand out to me in terms of positives for, for NFL teams, and I'm sure they're all running into this as they're interviewing them and talking to them, is the first one is kind of a cliche, he's a winner, but it's true. He's now third on the list of all-time wins for a college football quarterback. Like, you know, doesn't matter who you're playing or where you're playing, you don't get there by accident. So you got to give Ritter credit for that. But really, I think the thing that a lot of teams are seeing if they're really doing their homework on Ritter is he has just consistently gotten better over the course of his college career. He came in as a redshirt freshman, so, you know, basically a second-year player and went in the first game on the road at UCLA for Cincinnati, kind of the start of this rise they've had under Luke Fickle. And he won them the game, but they, they really didn't let him throw much. I think he threw like 10 passes that first game he was in there, and he had a really limited, you know, kind of playbook that first season. He did a lot of it with his legs. And then, you know, you go to what he was doing last year, and you've seen, you know, a lot of these breakdowns, whether it's on The Athletic or ESPN, of, of these kind of quarterback experts breaking down what Desmond Ritter can do in the pocket. And it, it's it's pro-level stuff that he was doing his senior year at Cincinnati. He was, you know, running the offense, making the calls at the line of scrimmage, directing the offensive line where to go, calling audibles, and then just his presence of going through progressions and making throws. It's a completely different player than he was his his freshman year where he's running RPOs and it was really just R, not really much pass option on a lot of those. Uh, and so I think you have to be encouraged if you're an NFL team, like look at what this guy was able to do over his four seasons as a starting quarterback. He's winning, but he's also getting better. And so I think that's just is, is encouraging for a lot of them. Really smart, mature kid too, a great leader. That's why he really won the job in the first place at Cincinnati is because of the command he had in the locker room. If you're looking for, you know, all right, what are some things we're concerned about? I do think accuracy is probably the biggest one he had in college. He actually got a lot better on his deep ball, especially his senior year. Um, and I think the improvements he made there were really impressive. But there were times where he would, you know, float a ball a little bit or just miss a guy. And, and maybe he got a little bit lucky and they didn't all turn into interceptions in college. But maybe some of them might do that more in the NFL. Those are things I think you can, he can improve and, and work on. And he certainly got better over the course of his time. But if you're looking for that kind of pinpoint, accurate, intermediate passer, he might not have that. But I think he makes up for it with 
all the other things that he does really well and, you know, I think has the potential to continue to get better in that area too. One of the things, Justin, that everybody talks about this uh, this particular draft is that, okay, Pickett and Willis are going to be the two quarterbacks that separate themselves from the rest of the class. Everybody seems to believe they're surefire first-rounders. Whether or not you think the value's there, the perception is that there will be people who are desperate enough to take quarterbacks, and these two guys will go in the first round. How high will Ritter go from what you are hearing? Uh, do, do you think he does sneak into the bottom of the first round? In fact, is he the third quarterback taken, in your opinion, based on the, the rumor mill that's out there in Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, I think it's gotten to the point where I will now actually be surprised if he's not a first-round draft pick. And I think a lot of that goes to the fact that those first-round picks, you get that fifth-year option if you're the team. And, you know, especially with this quarterback crop where – they're not these, you know, can't miss top of the draft prospects. It probably helps to have that fifth year so you can kind of decide, all right, is this the guy who we're going to, you know, take into the future as our starting quarterback, give him a little bit more time to develop. So, you know, for that reason alone, I'm going to be surprised if maybe a team at the very least doesn't trade up into the end of the first round and take him. But, man, some of the teams that are on Desmond Ritter, you know, really heavily, Atlanta, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, those are teams kind of like right in the middle of that what twelve to twenty range of the of the first round. Atlanta's higher than surprised. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Atlanta's so, higher than know, that though. Be, that would be very very high for him, I would think. I think are, are they seven or eight? Maybe you know maybe they're looking at at, at trade back. Uh, you know, in terms of the they teams, that, trade back, yeah. obviously everybody. Right, everyone was at the, the Cincinnati's pro day. Uh, New Orleans was there in full force. Pittsburgh was there in full force. Atlanta was there in full force in terms mm. of you know, how many people were there. And you know those are teams that need quarterbacks, so you know, it's not like they were just looking at Ritter and not looking at some of these other guys. But you know, I would not – I now expect him to be a first-round quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead of Pickett or goes ahead of Willis. I think it kind of just depends on how things fall. You know, where he ends up going will be really interesting to see. But, yeah, it's gotten to the point where – you know, every year this happens. Teams need quarterbacks, and and so the rush on them goes a little bit quicker. But I think all of those kind of factors, that fifth year option, um, and and then just seeing how there's not a clear one of those quarterbacks separating themselves, I wouldn't be surprised if middle of first round Desmond Ritter gets his name called. Uh, Justin, um, once again, thank you for joining us today. Um, when I look at Desmond Ritter, I, I look at a guy. You know, the classic quarterback, he's got the size. I think his, you know, he's 215 pounds, which is probably a little bit light for a quarterback as far as durability. But, you know, when you look at what he does on the field as far as his, how you said he's getting better over all of those years, how, you know, what about his game day processing, like, you know, looking at coverages? Um, how does he do in that compartment? And do you see, I, I'm obviously seeing this kind of, this player here is one of these guys that he's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, he's going to start a lot of games, but he's going to have a nice NFL career, whether he's drafted in that first, late first round or, or even in the second. Tell me a little bit about it. I want his game stuff. Like how, how is he able to process what's going on and, and that at the next level, do you think that'll be a problem? No, I mean, I think that's probably one of his strengths. Again, if you're looking at maybe accuracy is a little bit of a weakness, I think what his strengths are is pre-snap recognition, defensive recognition. You know, he kind of knows, all right, this is – and this is, again, something he just got so much better at over the course of his career. He understands defense. He understands coverages, so he kind of knew where to go with the ball. I always thought – and, again, it's totally different between college and the NFL – but I always thought if it was a team playing a lot of zone coverage – that he was going to have a good passing day because, again, you know, maybe you don't need to be quite as accurate when, when you're going in, in zone coverage. You can kind of find those pockets and, and fit it in there. But then the benefit of Ritter is, all right, if you're going to play really tight, good man coverage, 
he can take off and run. And he did that a lot more at the start of his career. Honestly, they you know they didn't run him a ton his, his this past year, his senior year, because they couldn't afford to get him hurt, and they didn't need to run him because he was so much of a better passer, and the offense was better, and it was just a really good team. But you know, if you go back and watch some of the games where they really needed a play at Indiana on the road, at Notre Dame on the road, he closed both of those games out with wins by running it in for a touchdown. SMU at home late in the season, he breaks off a 40-yard uh, touchdown run that kind of helped put that game away. So that's another thing. You know, third down, he's one of those guys where, all right, third and five, third and six, he's not necessarily thinking I'm going to run on this play. But if that, you know, lane is there, he's tough, he, he's instinctive, he kind of sees it, and that's an easy way for him to pick up some first downs and keep the chains moving. Is He's a long strider. He kind of runs away from guys before they even notice it. And I think that's something maybe he's not running away from NFL defenders quite as easily, you know, to start, but I think that's a part of his game that's really going to entice people at the next level is the way he can use his legs to either extend a, a passing play or sneak out, get a few yards, and, and pick up a first down. All right, Justin, let's go to the prospect that I think Giant fans are very excited about because he's mm-hmm. been mocked to the Giants a lot in at either 5 or 7, considered by most as the top cornerback in the draft. So we know what Ahmad Gardner can do. He's long. He's fast. He basically wasn't targeted this year because his coverage was so strong. Where have you seen him grow over the course of his Cincinnati career uh, where he's gotten to the player that he is now that, that you think could interest uh, NFL teams and their evaluation process? I mean, the first thing is his literal growth in terms of when he was a freshman, he was maybe 150 pounds. Like, fall camp, true freshman, fourth or fifth on the depth chart as a, as a cornerback, and you're like, well, this kid's interesting, he's long, but like, it feels like he's going to get broken in half. <laughs> and, you know, he played his senior year at Cincinnati up at 200 pounds, looked every bit an NFL cornerback, and, you know, didn't lose anything in terms of speed or, or quickness or anything like that. So, you know, the way he transformed his body, and that's a huge credit to Brady Collins, the strength coach of Cincinnati, but that's where you're like, all right, this kid went from interesting prospect with good instincts to he looks like an NFL player already. And so that was kind of the most impressive thing. But then it was just, you know, he's a confidence guy. That was never a problem. He walked in as a freshman and asked the coaches and teammates to call him soft, and a lot of guys kind of laughed him off. And then he makes a, a pick six against UCF his freshman year to basically win them the game. And that was kind of the start of this, like, true sauce mystique. And he just took off from there. And his confidence was always, um, let's say, abundant, but it was never misguided. Like, he, you know, this is a guy who said a lot of things uh, um, his time at Cincinnati, and he backed every single one of them up. And, you know, it, it was crowned off with they play the Cotton Bowl, which is, was not a great game for Cincinnati. They got beat by Alabama pretty handedly, but he shut down Jamison Williams in that game. I think he had, you know, one catch when Sauce was guarding him and he tackled him behind the line of scrimmage. Like, it, you know, everybody that might have lobbed, well, you're playing in the AAC or you're not going against elite talent. He shut down Notre Dame, had an interception against them. He shut down uh, Jamison Williams and Alabama, one of the best receivers in the country. And, you know, then he backed it up every other game he played, whether it was locking down a side or, you know, I think he became a lot better tackler and instinctive player over the course of his career. So, you know, it's one of those things where I'm sure he has weaknesses. I just, at Cincinnati, it was really hard to even find them or see them because uh, of, of how well he played over the course of his career. Well, the rest of that secondary uh, wasn't exactly too shabby either between Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, because he, you know he's going to get taken pretty high. And Brian Cook at safety is going to wind up in this league too. So I wonder how much of a collective effort between these three guys uh, w- was kind of raising all of their levels of play. 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, honestly, Sauce is at the top of that because it, it happened during the course of the season. You've heard some coaches even anonymously come out after the season and say, like, we didn't even look to him. We didn't throw to his side. And that's why late in the season, Sauce basically started, like, telling the defensive coordinator and Luke Fickle, like, I'm going to blitz because quarterbacks aren't even looking at me. And he got a couple sacks late in the year hmm. screaming off the edge because the quarterback wasn't looking at his side. But you're right. It was kind of a pick-your-poison thing because Kobe Bryant, probably not the best cornerback on his team, ends up winning the Thorpe Award as the best defensive back in college football because he got targeted a lot more because teams weren't going to throw at sauce. And, you know, it shows, you know, a lot of credit to how Kobe Bryant developed over his career that he has a great season. Brian Cook has kind of been sneaking up into like third, fourth round of some of these mock drafts as a guy who was a one-year starter, transferred from Howard, a small college, but had a really strong showing at Cincinnati. So you're right, you know, it was a, there was a lot of really strong players in that secondary, but it's almost a credit to how good those other guys were because teams were afraid to even look at sauce. Uh, Wink Martindale is the new defensive coordinator for the Giants, and he likes to play a lot of press man coverage. And I think if you're looking at one player on this board that can do that, I think you're looking at Sauce Gardner as being that guy. I think I can see why Giants fans are a little excited about this guy and the possibility of him being becoming a New York Giant. Um, when you play press coverage, you got to play a little bit of nasty football out there. Is he that type of player where he can talk to those wide receivers and you know the divas on the other side of the ball? <laughs> Yeah, that, that, talking is usually not a problem uh, for Sauce. That's one thing he's good at. And again, you know, he talks and he's backed it all up. Uh, Marcus Freeman, who's now the head coach at Notre Dame, who was the defensive coordinator when, when Sauce was recruited in his first couple years in Cincinnati, that's, you know, Freeman played a lot of press man coverage. So Sauce kind of, you know, grew up that way in college playing that. And, you know, he's he is big. He's gotten a lot bigger. He is a physical, probably a more physical player than he gets credit for. But one of the things that really helps him play press man coverage is his length. Mm-hmm. He can get up and gamble a little bit more at the line of scrimmage. You know, there was, I'll never forget, there was a play against Indiana this season. They were on the road, Cincinnati. And it looked like, I think it was Freifogel, the good receiver for Indiana, it looked like he had Sauce beat down the sideline. And it was a great throw. And just at the last second, Sauce reaches out his go-go gadget arms and knocks the pass away, you know, pretty nonchalantly, like he wasn't worried at all. And Desmond Ritter said after the game, like, I see that every day in practice. I think I have an opening, I think I'm going to make a completion, and I throw the ball, and Sauce is just, he's longer and bigger than you think he is, and he's right there to knock it away. So I think that's his biggest attribute as a press man corner, is that he has the length and speed to be able to make up for it if he does, you know, get beat a little bit or somebody gets by him off the line of scrimmage. Once again, uh, we're joined talking Cincinnati football here uh, by Justin Williams, covers uh, Cincinnati for the uh, Athletic. Justin, Paul already kind of referenced the two players. I just want to dig a little bit deeper into them very quickly but uh, before we move on to a couple other guys here. Um, the one thing watching Kobe Bryant that maybe worries me, I'm not quite sure he has the deep speed to hang with you know really fast wide receivers. That's one thing maybe I would worry about. I know he played off coverage a lot more uh, than Sauce did. And I'll tell you what, though, Brian Cook is the guy that you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of buzz early in this draft process. I mean, you mentioned he's been moving up boards. I was really impressed. I thought he could cover tight ends well. He played in the box. I thought he had good coverage instincts. Anything with Cook that that, that you see and you're like, all right, well, maybe I'm a little worried about this part of his game transferring over to the NFL. No, I actually think it's the other way. So so Cook got – he had like a, 
a busted AC joint that he played with all season in his shoulder or, you know, something like that. Oh, I wow. Exactly what the injury was, but he got it, you know, taken care of after the season. So he hasn't done any testing. He didn't, yep. he got invited to the combine, but he couldn't test. He, he got invited to the senior bowl, but he couldn't play because he decided to get it taken care of. And, you know, he wanted to be ready for mini camp and that, that's why he got it taken care of so early. So I don't know how that'll impact his draft stock, but if it lowers it at all, then somebody's getting a steal with this kid. And I think as teams maybe started going back more to the tape as opposed to how are you testing or, or you know working out, I think that's why he's maybe started to creep up here a little bit recently because this guy's just a player. You know, they played since they played in the Peach Bowl at the end of the 2020 season, and James Wiggins, who got drafted by the Cardinals, was another great safety for them. He was hurt and couldn't play in that game. So it was really like Cook's first true start and coming out party as a junior, and he might have been the best defensive player on the field. I mean, just taking out Georgia receivers, running backs, he can come up and tackle, he can cover, like you said. You know, I just think he, he's a really tough kid, as evidenced by playing with a hurt shoulder all year and, and having a really great season. And he just kind of has that NFL size and mix to be able to come up in the box, stick his nose in the run game and make tackles, but also kind of the speed and instincts. To, to cover, he had a big interception against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl. So I'm not sure where he's going to end up going. I'm not surprised to see him keep climbing in some of these mocks here in the in the past couple of days. And I also think just whatever team ends up with him is going to be like, man, if we got this guy in the third and fourth round, and, and he's going to be a steal for us. You know, there's a reason Cincinnati was so high in the polls, and I know we're kind of running out of time, so I'm going to kind of loop these guys together between Sanders as the edge rusher, undersized guy, uh, John knows how I feel about those folks, and Beavers, who uh, who played linebacker as well. I mean, these two guys are going to find their way in the league. Yeah, Sanders, he's going to have to put on more weight. That was always a struggle with him at Cincinnati, and it's because he has such a high motor. He has, you know, such a good metabolism. They had to like hold him out of spring practices and fall practices because he was just terrorizing offensive lines and they couldn't get him to slow down. And they're like, we need to work on our offensive line. So we're going to say you have a twisted ankle today so that you don't practice. <laughs> um, so, you know, he definitely has that part of it. I think if he can put on weight and bulk up a little bit at the NFL, he's going to be a real good edge rusher um, because he has the really good instincts and speed for that. And then Beavers, yeah, he's another guy, maybe similar to Desmond Ritter, like bounced around a little bit, transferred from UConn earlier in his career, but he just got better and better over the course of his college career. He has the NFL size. I think he got really better at kind of pre-snap recognition as a senior um, and just kind of really took to like knowing where to be to make the right spot or make the right play. He doesn't have necessarily elite speed, but he just has all the other things intangible that you would want in an NFL linebacker, and he certainly looks the part. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has a really long and successful NFL career as well. Just real quick on Sanders, you know, looking at him a little bit, he's around the football consistently. A lot of batted passes, a lot of pressures. Um, I'm guessing that his, you know, get-off speed and definitely a true edge rusher at his size um, – is, is that true? I mean, he's just all around the football field and getting pressure on the quarterback. You're right, and I actually think he's a better run stopper, at least in college, than he ever really got credit for. You know, the thing with him, especially his senior year, teams just, you know, they knew the deal, and so they started game planning. They started shifting to his side. They started double-teaming him. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of you know, a lot of guys benefited on Cincinnati's defense and defensive line from what Maiji was able to do, but maybe it didn't always show up in the stat sheet. His stats certainly didn't, you know, go up the way people thought they would his senior year. Sure. But just in terms of instincts and ability, yeah, you know, I, I think he has that true kind of edge rusher capability. So as long as he can bulk up a little bit at the NFL level, which, I, you know, I think you get in the right staff and, and strength situation and he can do that, I think he's going to 
to be a good a good pick for someone as well. All right, Justin, I got to touch on those two offensive guys because I think these guys could be gone in the third and fourth round. Alec Pierce, I think, is an interesting player. Um, he tested extremely well at the combine, 6'3", 211. He's got good size. Uh, you see the speed. Uh, he almost feels like a big slot to me in the NFL, but I, I'm kind of struggling where to place him. I'm wondering what you think about that. And I got to tell you, I love Jerome Ford. I, mm-hmm. People, I don't people, I don't think talk about him enough. I think he's probably worthy of a late third, early fourth round pick. I think he's a heck of a player. If you can kind of give us thumbnails on those two guys and and what you like about their games. Yeah, I see Pierce is similar to Cook in that I think someone's going to get a steal with this kid because, you know, he does. He, he He's really smart. He was an engineering major at Cincinnati, but he has much better athleticism than people give him credit for. He, he jumped 40 inches for his vertical best among wide receivers. He does have good low 4-4 speeds. Uh, and so I think wherever he ends up going, you know, I see him more. Again, I'm not saying he is this, but I think he's in that big body DK Metcalf type you know, frame and style of play where, yes, I think he could play in the slot, but I just think he's big and fast enough where he could play outside. Again, I'm not saying he's as good as DK. No, of course. Style-wise. He's in that mold. He's a split end for me. He's not a slot guy. He doesn't have enough short short space quicks. There's not as many of those guys in the NFL anymore, right? Like, you know, kind of those big, strong outside guys. Um, but but who have the speed to go over the top, and, and he's a good route runner too. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a steal for someone. I'm with you on the Jerome Ford. I think the problem he's facing is what a lot of running backs face, which is just that that position has been devalued in the NFL a little bit from sure. a, a draft or free agency perspective. So I don't know where he ends up falling. But, yeah, I mean, he, he has NFL speed. He has, you know, kind of elite vision as a running back. And, you know, look, if you guys are football guys, he's got a huge butt. Like, you know, and that's what you want from no, a running he back, does. right? He has a big trunk. He's got a big trunk. <laughs> he does. He does. He's got a big trunk. Which that means he's for strong. A, for a running back, that's exactly what you want, especially when it's, you know, guys have seen it when you're running away from him. So uh, I'm with you. I think he has kind of that home run ability, but also is tough enough to run in between the tackles. And by the way, he can also catch the football, too. I was just going to ask mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they didn't they didn't use it a ton of Cincinnati. Again, they didn't necessarily need to, but he has pretty good hands. He actually played wide receiver in high school because they were so stacked in there. He's from one of these big Florida schools. They had a couple of Division One guys at running back when he was there. So he played receiver a lot as a especially as a junior, kind of in the slot because they just needed a way to get him on the field. So I agree. I think he's one of those guys who, you know, he can kind of be an every down back if somebody needs him to, whether it's running or catching the football in the NFL. Justin, good stuff, my friend. We really appreciate it. Tell all the folks where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Williams underscore Justin on Twitter. And uh, if, you, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, I would definitely encourage people to do so. If they want to read about the Bearcats, that's great. But we're also going to have all kinds of NFL draft coverage um, and plenty of Cincinnati guys to talk about here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, no question. And I'm sure with the way your program's going, Justin, we're going to talk to you next year about the next set of Cincinnati guys coming out too because your program is, is really dynamite. So we look forward to talking again next year. We appreciate the time and enjoy the draft. Thank you, Justin. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Justin Williams from The Athletic. Really good job. Excellent, excellent spot. First time we've had him on, I thought he was very, very good. You know, if everybody knew how many pro prospects they had on that team last summer, they wouldn't have been a surprise to be in the top ten. That's correct. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people really understood it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, you know, they're in the the AAC. You know, Mm -hmm. it it is what it is. Yeah, and I think when you look at some of these players, I think that's, you know, that's something you have to look at, too. You know, I mean, um, you look at Sauce Gardner. I mean, obviously, he's got the skills. He's got everything. But, you know, I, I mean, yeah, he did. it's not the top of the top of the competition. But, 
you know, in that game against Alabama, he did pretty good, you know. So I, I'm not saying that he's not as good as he is. But you know what I'm saying, guys? It's like some of these guys that go up and they're in the AAC, they, they kind of they don't play that great a competition. So I think you got to look at that a little bit sometimes. Well, the thing about Ford is that he was at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And he started there for a year before he transferred to Cincinnati and was a one-year starter for them. And you don't see a lot of guys, you know, leaving Alabama. People want to get to Alabama. They don't necessarily want to transfer out of Alabama. Well, sometimes you have to for well, playing sometimes time. Sometimes you well, got it, here. Basically, it's just like Jermaine Johnson, right, leaving yeah. Georgia. Well, that's why this year is unique because right. you've got two legit NFL prospects who actually had to <clears throat> escape just to try to find snaps. Yeah, well, and I think Ford's good, man. I'm telling I you, I you. like Ford. I, I agree with you. Yards he's, after contact, he's good he at. He breaks tackles, man. I'm with you. Well, I mean, you know, you look at the Giants. They, I, I got to believe they're looking at some running back, and that this could be someone that they look at in those. I, you know, I don't know if they're going to go to the third. But may, who knows? Maybe they will. But I think it's something, you know, you know that Brees Hall is not going to be there for the Giants if they decide to do anything, you know, in, those, in the middle, third round, fourth round. He ain't going to be there. Um I re- we all like him, right? I mean, I think that he's a guy that that I really enjoyed talking about and watching play. He's he's good. So I want to talk about Pierce. The reason Paul I reference him as a big slot, and now I agree. Like I've written down here, average twitchiness. I don't think he's that great side to side quickness twitchiness. as you want right. from a <laughs> traditional slot. I agree. The reason I want to put him inside, I'm afraid that lack of suddenness. If you put him outside, you could press him. And he's really going to struggle to get separation because you don't have the twitchiness. I want to be able to put him in the slot to get guys off of him so he can get that running start and use that speed because I don't think his start-stop stuff is great. Well, Good point because it, look who's going to cover him in the slot, right? I mean, it's going to be you know a safety and you know someone that's really no, – And, I, and I, agree, I agree, Jeff, by the way. He is not a traditional – like, you know, Cole Beasley, Kyle Phillips, like UCLA. No. He's your traditional slot guy. He's more of that, you know, remember with Jason Avant in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that type of mm-hmm. bigger slot. Yeah, I, I liked him for the split end spot because of his straight ahead speed. And Not I that. also wrote down, I really liked his release off the line, which actually would prevent him from getting into a spot yeah, see, that you're I, talking about. I didn't love that. No, I, all right, and that's no, okay. No, that's fine. We can disagree. Now, that's okay. Now, his injury history, got a knee and got a shoulder in his history. So, again, the medic's going to look at that and knock him down a little bit. To me, he's third-round pick. I think he's like a safe mid-third-round yeah, pick type of guy. He could be, sure. Me. I could see that. That's where I think I have him. And I like Cook. Uh, you know, I think you know he's kind of been lost because he hasn't, to Justin's point, hasn't been able to participate. And we open up the lines, by the way. You can try to uh, squeeze a call here before Penn State guys. We got a little time. We got about 10 minutes. 201-939-4513. I think Cook's a good player. Like, I think he can, you know, you want to, I don't think he's a single high deep safety. He wasn't asked to do that since then. He was more their low guy. But I think whatever they asked him to do, play in that low box, I think he did a nice job. Yeah, I don't think you're ever going to match him up. Uh, as a as a single one on one guy though, John, I, I think he's going against tight ends. Tight ends, yes, but not but receivers. Not, there's no. no way you're going to put him against a receiver. I agree with that. That's a mismatch. I agree with that. You know, he just does not have that kind of quickness and jukes. But uh, I agree with tight ends because let's face it, what 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 did he run? He ran. Um, no, he didn't run. He did not run. run. No, he did he, not he, run. He was dealing with that shoulder injury. That's right. He did not run, so we don't know no. exactly what he could. But run. on tape, he covered tight ends. He could handle fine. a tight end. Absolutely. I think he could. Yeah. Well, maybe not some of the really really quick ones, but a lot of the tight ends of the league, he could probably deal correct. With. I I agree with you. I like him. I absolutely like him. I I think he's like I think he's a 
I have. I think what I write down for him. I think he wrote down three, four, late three, early. I four could see for that. Him, Absolutely I I see that. You know, he's not in the category of Petrie. You know, no, uh, no, he's not there. No, he but, will. But, he will not go in the second round. But he's a cheaper version. I, I think he's. A, I think he's very similar to to, to Brisker. The tight end of Penn State, just not quite as good. Cheaper version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all. I like Brisker, by the way. He's a good player. He is, he is good. Yeah. I think yeah. he's a good second round. <laughs> and then there's the kid from um, Michigan, who I think is the second best safety in the draft. See, I see him as a slot corner. That's what he did there. He barely, like, that. he was a slot corner. Like, I almost have him in a, I agree. I think he's really good. I think he's right at that end of the first, top of the second round. But I almost view him as like like him and Brisker play different positions. You know what I mean? Like yep. they weren't asked to do the same thing. I, I I projected Hill to be a free safety who could also come down and play slot like what, what Antrell Roll did earlier in his career. Now by the time he got to the Giants, he was playing a little of strong safety too because he was coming down to the box. Yeah, see, based on what I saw of when he did at Penn State, I feel better about I mean at Michigan, I feel better about him being a slot corner than I do a free safety right now. Because I think he was asked to do that more at Michigan. But that's fair. Yeah. He had more reps at it. Yeah. But this is all about projection. Too. No, of course it is. Absolutely. Well, we can see what our guy says about Joaquin Brisker soon, right? Yeah. We're going to know in a few minutes. Jaquan. <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Jaquan. Jaquan Brisker. How about just Brisket? Jaquan Brisker. It's not brisket. It's <laughs> I not know. Brisket. I just kidding. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Are there any? Oh, by the way. We are going to make you ask about the pass rusher, Jeff. <laughs> I, knew I, that. I, I, I knew that. I hope you have the name ready. I do. Have you I been do. practicing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm just making sure because we are going to make you be the guy to ask about that, okay? <laughs> Eba Katie? Eba oh, Katie? Oh, God. No, that's good. That's, Eba Katie? That's, that's great. Close. No, that's great. Eba Katie. That's great. Yeah, there you, know, you go, Tatino. Take your laugh and put it somewhere else. I've heard some people call him Ebiketti. I've heard some people call him Ebiketti. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've heard, heard Ebiketti. I've, I've heard it both ways. So I'm not Ebiketti. sure which one's right. Okay. Either one's acceptable. Well, we're going to so find out. He's the, the play-by-play play guy. guy's got to know. He's got to know, yeah, right? He's got to know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I knew, and I knew, both of you were going to ask me that There's question. There's no question. <laughs> we were going to avoid that guy like the plague. And, 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 and now, Jeff, remember, the first name is Arnold. Oh, boy, that's that a hard one. one. Okay. Right, Arnold? Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, let's try to squeeze in a call and go to Scott in Michigan on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Scott, what's going on? Hi, Scott. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? Big right. got all the boys at the house. Love it. Good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the more, yeah, the more I'm listening, man. I mean, I was pretty pretty heavy set on, like, my top two dream picks would have been edge rush and, and offensive tackle at uh, five and seven. But the more I'm hearing about, like, Sauce and Hamilton and having that big body in the back, I, and then also with the possible slide of a Jobo, right? I mean, with the injury, not like we're a Super Bowl team. So, I mean, in my head, do you go best available tackle and then you get Foss or uh, Hamilton, who will probably be there, and then hopefully, you know, you got a first-round pick that slides down due to injury and he's, he's ready to go prime next year when we get our quarterback and play if Daniel Jones doesn't doesn't meet the grade, right? I am working, Scott, on my final big board, and there is a distinct possibility that I'm going to have Stingley rated ahead of Thibodeau. Stingley? You take Stingley over Thibodeau, huh? That, uh, that is one of the things I'm working out in my head right now. I have sauce above both of them, but the Stingley-Thibodeau conversation is interesting. The problem is that I don't have the medicals on Stingley's foot. So it's hard for me to judge that. But if he clears that and the team feels really good about him being a healthy player, I would feel pretty good 
I would feel pretty good about Stingley. So do you feel better, in my same assumption, on the same line then, about getting an edge rusher in the top of the second versus I do. a cornerback? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I, I feel much and better about been, edge at 36. I yeah. do. Mm-hmm. That's By what the I'm way, doing on, too, and that's why I've been going back and forth. Go ahead. Peter Schrager of uh, Good Morning Football just mocked Stingley to the Giants at pick seven. You might want to know that. A quantum with uh, Sean O'Hara went to the Giants at pick five. I'm surprised because I don't. And you, you, you're going to get the O'Hara deal huddle doing all the old line prospects coming out next Tuesday. Right. We already recorded it. He told me he had Neil above a quantum on his list, that he drafts a quantum over Neil on Good Morning Football. I got to yell at him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to any of those, man. You guys would be surprised. So I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, these last few weeks. The fan base, I wouldn't say the reporters or the, the, the folks on the media streamline, but the fans calling into these shows, I'd say it's 50-50. They want Malik Willis to let him develop behind, uh, uh, what's his face, for a year. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I'm, like, I'm laughing. I'm a, yeah. I call him behind, and I'm like, yes, please, take Malik Willis. <laughs> Any ticket can go to the, to the Texans. Him, you know, I'm laughing and joking with these guys. They're like, yeah, it's never going to happen. But it, more and more... It's crazy out here in Grand Rapids. A lot Isn't of that nuts, thinking, though? Just last week, yeah, I was telling John on, on uh, NFL Network, Bucky Brooks and Cynthia Freeland had Willis oh, going to Detroit Kay at Adams, number two. Kay Adams picked, and again, it's Kay, you know, it's, she's not, she's not like know, a draft but, pick, but she picked. You know, and, and, but Are look, some of these people from NFL Network yep. piped in that they, well, they got something? I, my feeling, I don't know. My feeling is that for both ESPN and NFL Network, they're told by their producers to pump up the quarterbacks. Because that's the position that's, that gets people in excited. In the past, that's been talked about so that yeah, the ratings of, of the actual draft will go more through the roof. I've heard that. I would not I surprise me. I don't know me. that to be a fact. My, my guess is that they're trying to push these guys. I, I, and, yeah, I, and by the I, way, I, I am also going to have a hot take. I don't know if you guys want me to give it to you now, but I may give it to you next week. My hot take on this draft and I will predict this it's next week unless I change my mind. I think the first quarterback goes at 20 to Pittsburgh. 20? Oh, Carol, you don't think Carolina or, I mean, I, I don't Washington, think Carolina. Atlanta, nope. 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 I mean, I think, I think for once, and maybe I'm being naive and stupid, that's very possible. I think for once these teams are going to stick to their guns and stick to their boards. No. And what I so think, I'll, I'll, wait, wait, I'll call you. please, Scott, do so. <laughs> They're, they're I'm going to call chicken. you after the draft. I'm going to call you after the draft. I'm, t- I'm taking two quarterbacks before 20. All right. That's what I'm taking, two before 20, uh, and then we'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Great God. talking to you. Appreciate Take the care. call, man. And look, he, he, and, and here's my reasoning behind it. I think if some of those teams like Washington, and I believe Washington has their second-round pick. I don't think they moved that. I don't remember. Um, I think I got a, I got a I have draft it right here. list here. I'll I'll look, yeah, so I, do I. Oh, so do I. Um, Who's going to find it? Chris. Washington. No, Washington does not have their second-round pick. They moved it for Wentz. So the other teams, though, whether it's Atlanta or Seattle. Don't they have 47? No. Uh, oh, they got 47 yeah, back. 47. That's right. I'm sorry. I, From I, Indy. I was looking at 42. That's okay. Washington to Indy. You're right. They yeah. did get one back there. You're right. So throw Washington in the mix then, too. So my, my point stands. Washington, Atlanta, Seattle, you know, Detroit, Whatever team you want to pick out of that group that you think wants a quarterback, I think they'll be more willing to trade up back into the first round 
to get a quarterback at the end of the first than to use that top 12 or 13 pick Our on a quarterback. Our guest just said Ritter could be one of those candidates. I, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I think he's a safe player. You know, who, you know who, who I think a good comparison for him is in terms of play style and just personality and stuff like that? I think Dak Prescott is a great comparison for him. Mm. He's not the best athlete, but he can run. He's not the most accurate, but he's accurate enough. He's a great guy, a great leader, a good person. And he won a ton of games in college, right? See what you want about Dak Prescott in college. The guy won a bunch of games for Mississippi State. He was fantastic. Oh, you got something for me here, Pearson? Oh, you're making a call. Okay, I thought you were bringing your phone to show me a tweet. <laughs> no, that he's got to get our Penn State yeah, so guy. he does. Awesome. I appreciate that. No, 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 he does. Absolutely. Um, all right, while you get him up, uh, yeah, I want to squeeze David in California, and while while we get to, I, I got it, Pearson. No, I got it. Uh, we'll we'll bring in David from California. David, you only have a minute or so here, uh, but I want to get you in before the guest. So you're not hanging on hold for for a year and a day. What do you got, David? Hey, it's good. I don't have much time because I'm nervous, anyways. I've been okay. listening to you guys the whole time. <laughs> you had the show, so. But hey, so my thing is, I agree with all. You, I I love all you guys. You guys have a, a different perspective, and and every single day I, I agree with one of you, and then the next day I don't agree, and so that's what's so. Perfect. Oh, that's great. That's, that's exactly perfect. what we're wanting that's to exactly do. Exactly what we want. <laughs> it means but, we but got you. Is, so my question, and I love Lance. I wish he was on today. But I, no, I agree don't. with what he said yesterday about Gadarius Tony. I agree with his premise. I, I I understand. I'm not a technical person when it comes to football. I never played by diehard Giants fan. But but to me, if you're going to skip a, man, a, a a voluntary camp as a a, per, a guy that was a rookie the year before and didn't get much production because of maybe things that weren't his fault, maybe they were. It's you should get there if you can. You should get there. In, in my humble opinion, I may be wrong. If you're a veteran, you're somebody who's a Pro Bowler the year before. Hey, I'm not going to really care if you're there that much. But that guy or somebody that's struggling the year before, that kind of bothers me. I just wanted to get your guys' perspective. And I do – I understand and respect Lance's perspective. I just – to me in that area, I, I just don't agree. But uh, anyways, I'll let you guys go and, and get your you know response off. Not – pre- no, appreciate Thank the you. call, David. Thank you. No, I, no problem. I think Jeff being a player mm. should answer this uh, more listen, than we should. I said it yesterday. It's just – you know, it's this is all goes about the person, okay? And remember this. In cer- other circumstances, this is April – Okay, April 21st, April 20th, whatever, yesterday when we talked about it, it's not going to make that big of a difference in September when they start playing. However, you know, it's the optics of the thing. And so if you're a new staff and you got a new staff in here and, you got, and you're a younger player like Kadarius, I feel like you would be here. So it's hard to, it's hard to talk about this subject because I don't really – it's black and white to me. All right? It's your job. It's what you do. Uh, there isn't that many – and more important things going on than what's paying you a lot of money to play football, then you show up. Now, there's things like, you know, birth of child and doctor's appointments and, you know, other things that happen that a lot of the, the fans may not know about. That's, that's why he's not there because they don't publish it. You know, the, hey, uh, Kadarius Tony wasn't here because he had a toothache or something like that. But the fact is, is that sometimes you just can't make it. But I feel like you should be here. I think one of the veteran wide receivers said it perfectly yesterday. Just go back and look um, what, what Kenny Galladay said. That'll pretty much wrap up exactly what I, what I sense, too. Hey, look, and, and Joe Shane and Brian Dable both said it. It's voluntary. He doesn't have to be here. It's his choice. And yep. in that way, you can't come down on him for it. Because, yep. and, and by the way, this is, I think, the point Lance was trying to make. That, look, you can't come down and kill a guy because if it was um, mandatory from the beer, it'd be mandatory from the beer. It's not. However, this is the point I made yesterday. If he's here through the whole offseason program with the playbook in hand, look, Brian Dable said he doesn't have a playbook. He doesn't have a playbook. So 
if he's not going to get it, and I'm assuming he's going to show up for mandatory minicamp, or heck, maybe he'll show up for the OTAs. I don't know. He could be here in two weeks for all I know. Or mm-hmm. next week, for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, he could hit the ground running in yes. August if he absorbs and understands the playbook in April. And then he could be worrying about other stuff in August instead of trying to learn the system. So then when you get to September, he's further ahead when the season starts. So I do think there's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And obviously, everyone would rather have him be here than not. But he doesn't have to be. It's not mandatory. It's up to him. I think it's in his best individual interest to be here. But it's his choice. If he doesn't want to be, he doesn't have to be. In theory, it could never hurt you to be here during the volunteer minicamp. Correct. It can only help you. Yeah. Right. Okay. The OTAs I think, are important. The, no doubt. Now, the other point that I would make here... And it's kind of a way to circumvent the law. You guys know I'm old school, so I wish all mini camps were mandatory. I don't think any voluntary mini camp should ever exist. But Paul, it's been negotiated. Paul wouldn't give any players any days it's, off. Well, it's negotiated. He would give them no vacation. Okay. They'd be here every well, day. Well, some people, some people work to live. I live to work. I'm, I'm the other kind of guy. Right. Uh, you know, coaches would love me because I'm, I'm 365 grinding. So here's the thing. I have a good authority that all coaches do not love you, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> so so here's, here's how I feel about that. I think one of the ways around it, and Jeff, you're aware of this because you were part of the, uh, the, the reps, uh, the player reps, one of the ways around it, and teams used to give small stipends to guys who would come into the off-season program and off-season workouts. Well, in recent years, especially last year or two, now the signing bonuses are being broken up into workout bonuses. So if you are an organization that wants to kind of bend a player's arm and get him in, even though it's voluntary and he has a right not to come, it's very simple. Uh, Guess what? As part of the rookie contract that you're signing, or for that matter, your second contract— uh, there's going to be a $1 million bonus uh, that's a workout bonus that says if you attend this, this, and this in the offseason, you'll get it. It's a very easy-to-achieve incentive. But they're not rookie contracts. And that way, and that way, you circumvent the voluntary right. nomenclature. Mm-hmm. But you're basically strong-arming the guy to come in. Which and is why a lot of players don't like those bonuses. In oh, well, too bad. Well, it's part of the deal. Way, yeah, but if you, want, way, if you want the player, you might be willing well, to make that, you, uh, make, make that sacrifice. Uh, I'm not, it's a big enough chunk of money. Trust it's, me, they're going to yeah. sign it. And by the way, it's, never, and it's also the percentage is never 100% participation. So yes, you know, never. There is, it's never. There's a little bit of leeway. Like I said, if you got personal days you need to take and things like sure. that. So, so I mean, maybe it's 90% or 85 I mean, it exactly. gives you a little bit of a – So, I mean, it kind of – it sets you up, like you're saying, Paul. First of all, it is a lot of money. And, you know, why wouldn't you do it? Um, but it also it's not a sort of mandatory thing that, it, you know, that it drags on you because you have to be there 100 percent of the time because a lot of times you just can't. Jeff, so let's understand. Uh, we have our guest, so let's get to him. He's Very the good. play-by-play man for Penn State, who, as it is every year, has a bunch of guys coming out into the NFL draft, and his name is Steve Jones. Steve, you got John, Paul, and Jeff here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Thanks for being with us, man. How are you? It's great to be with all you guys. All right, so let's start here with your Penn State prospects, and I guess we'll go here first. Who do you think, Steve, based on what you've seen, is going to be the first Penn State prospect off the board, and why do you like that player as much as you do? 
Well, I think Jahan Dotson will be the first player off the board at wide receiver. Let's face it, wide receivers is something everybody's going to need. The Garrett, you know, the Garrett Wilsons, the Chris Olaves, the Jahan Dotsons. Look, Dotson is a guy that is so reliable as a wideout. Great hands, gets the ball at the high point. Ran a four three eight a year ago in the forty. And you watch him in the in the Maryland game when he had two hundred forty two yards receiving. There was a play down the middle on a post. He split the two defenders. That's just pure football speed. He brings everything to the table that you want. Plus, he'll be a willing blocker downfield for you too. And by the way, Steve, the one thing I noticed with Dotson, just just to follow up, he's only you know one hundred eighty or so pounds. But I thought he he he, he plays a physical brand of football. He plays bigger than his size. He does play physical uh, for his size, no question. He will battle corners and safeties down the field, but he'll also throw his body in there, blocking in the running game as well. So he really is a complete receiver, and he's somebody who's just very serious about his craft. See, I thought you might go with Jeff's favorite pass rusher coming off of the Nittany Lions, but you went with the receiver instead. Go ahead, Jeff. Ask about the pass rusher. I know you want to talk about him, Jeff. Well, no, I, I wanted to talk about Dotson a little before I got, you know, I had to get my frame, my mind right here to pronounce this guy. I just to say Arnold is his first name. I know that one. But all right, ready? It's Arnold Ebicady. Ebicady. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Ebicady. Okay. All right. Well, this is a big boy here. 6'3", 256. Got a great name, by the way, um, that can, because I can pronounce that one. Uh, you have no idea how much I stayed up all night trying to figure out how to say that last name, but you made it for me. Um, so, I mean, when you talk about Arnold, <laughs> uh, he consistently, like, his, talk to me a little bit about his edge. Um, does he Did he move inside at all? Can he play that wide nine? What, is, what does this guy bring to the table that he's going to be a good NFL football player for us? So let's make it easier for you. His nickname is AK. So, AK. Okay, so you oh, go, my God. That's so go good. With it. You can go with it from there. This guy is an outstanding edge rusher. He gets angles on you, gets to the quarterback, great burst off the line of scrimmage, constantly going. He can then you know, loop him inside. You can do that with him. He was a big plus for Penn State because when Yitor Gross Matos and Adafi Owe both got drafted, in, uh, to the NFL last year by, you know, in the last two years by the Panthers and by the Ravens. Penn State had a need out there. He transferred in from Temple and picked it right up where they needed it. This guy is uh, somebody that I think uh, as a rookie in the NFL, he's going to get anywhere between, in my opinion, maybe 7 to 11 sacks in his, in his rookie season. Well, Steve, let me follow up. Mm. How much meat is still on the bone for this guy, too? Because he came to football late. Yeah. You know, he's, he, you see the flashes on tape, but maybe the perfect technique and the consistency, not quite. So how much more room does he still have for growth when he gets into an NFL building, gets coached by great coaches? Not that you guys didn't have great coaches at Penn State. I, 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 yeah. I know you did. But how much room for growth yeah. does this guy still have, given his traits and how late he came to the game? Well, I mean, look, for example, at, at Owe with, uh, with Baltimore. Owe is a guy that I think has translated even better to the NFL and is going to get better as time goes. Sure. I think that's the way Ebicady's going to be. And I thought Ebicady was a more polished product than Owe was when he was here. But he has room to grow. That's why I think over time he's going to be a really good edge rusher at the next level. I think he's made for the next level. All right, well, I, I got to ask you about the safety because Jaquan Brisker, yeah. I wrote down all kinds yep. of things about him, including a complete toolbox. Although, even though he's fast, he may not have a second gear. 
he will be utilized in a lot of different ways, Steve. Where do you think he's best suited? Well, he's best suited at safety, but, boy, you can put up near the box if you need to. It's one thing about Brisker. There's certain – the one part that people don't talk about, in my opinion, is this guy is a football player. In other words, he knows how to play the game. He's not just an athlete out there playing the game. He knows how to play the game. He has excellent instincts. He reads really well. That's where he picks up another step to go with his speed. He also does a great job in terms of tracking the ball when it's in the air. And he's an excellent tackler. Yeah, and he just seems so comfortable near the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you can have run stoppers at safety near the line of scrimmage too, Steve, that you don't trust them to cover. But I saw plenty of tape here where he's in space with guys and he's able to hang with them. I'm, I'm not sure he's hanging with, you know, the four three eight you know, wide receiver. But if you need this guy to cover in those short areas and be the, or be that robber in the middle of the zone, I, I, I think he checks all those boxes. See, Steve, that's why I'm having trouble because he plays with the mentality of a strong safety. Right. But he's got more athleticism than your typical strong safeties. He's got the athleticism almost of a free yeah. safety. Yeah, he does. That's why you want him at strong safety, because he has the athleticism of a free safety, but the ability to play strong. That's what makes him a really mm-hmm. good player. And not only that, he's got the football brain to go with it. He sees it. He believes it. He doesn't hesitate to make plays. He just goes right at it. Now, you talk about trying to cover a 4-3 guy. That's, you know, that's the slot corner. Oh, of that's course. the corner out there. He's going to take care of the center of the field. And he, he also knows how to direct traffic out there as well. So if you need somebody to be the communicator back there that's going to direct traffic because of the football brain, he can do that too. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, what about his durability? And obviously when you have a guy like this and, you know, he's a football player, so I'm guessing I'm just looking and, and thinking to myself, this is a guy that likes to be around the football. He likes to make tackles. Uh, how is he going to hold up, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis in games in the NFL, you think? I think he will, because look, I mean, look how physical he is. My goodness. He, mm-hmm. well, he is uh, he, he's just a prototypical, like, a big safety. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, he probably has like 4 or 5% body fat on him, which I'm looking at my right hand right now. It's about the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, so, I mean, he's just, he's just built that way. I mean, right. this is not, you know, some guys are small, can be small playing the safety spot. This guy isn't. He's just a good-sized guy. That even though you may have a tight end, like I mean, look, Gronk is so difficult because he's too quick for a linebacker and he's too big for a safety. Well, he's going to be bigger, than, for example, than Brisker. But Brisker is like you know six one, six two. It's a good sized guy playing safety, so he'll be able to handle some of the tight ends in the league. All right, I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball. How about the other two linebackers? You know, Brandon Smith. I watched him yesterday. You know, you see all the athleticism, but I'm not sure if he knows where he's going part of the time when he's running around yeah. a little bit. And, yeah, and talk cool. about him a little bit, and then talk about uh, Jesse uh, Lucetta, who was Lucetta. playing. Yeah, uh, Lucetta, who was yeah. playing um, across from Ebba Katie. Yeah. Okay, so this is where I'll freely steal from my broadcast partner, who's Jack Ham. So he seems to know a little bit about linebacker. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Some odd reason I'll, I'll tap into this incredible resource I've had for 25 years. Uh, look, Brandon Smith is somebody who's, I mean, you want to talk about, you just look at him, the look test. Oh, my goodness. I mean, absolutely cut, runs well. But see, I think he's still learning how to play the game, yeah, guys. I, do I mean, too. that's the part about him when I watch him. They had him at the field linebacker to the open field for a period of time. Then, then 
Last year, they moved him inside in the box. I thought that the move inside the box was going to be great for him, as long as he got used to the traffic pattern in there. And I think what got me about him last year is that I kept waiting for him to bust out and have that 10-15 to tackle game, get a pick, things like that. But he seems to want to pick his way through traffic, and he's got to be able to just take people on and get them the hell out of the way. I mean, and that's that's where I look at him. In terms of, like, an athlete, in terms of being an athlete playing at this level, I mean, he's got all the athleticism you want. He's got the build you want. But I think he also has to be a, a more natural player. Uh, you look at Micah Parsons. He comes into the league. He was a natural player playing at linebacker and edge rusher. I mean, and I think it's going to take a little bit for Brandon Smith to become more of a natural player. Uh, and then uh, how about Lucetta? Lucchetto uh, played inside linebacker here, and they moved him to rush end last year. So he can give you both. And I thought he really excelled at the rush end spot last year. He gave them an additional guy off the edge that can play. He's got a really good you know, first step and a half where he gets in there because he's got linebacking speed as a rush end. Uh, as a linebacker, his pass defense skills got better as time went. Uh, and I think he is a guy that is just a constant motor. He's got, you talk about the natural ability of knowing where you're supposed to go and how you're supposed to play it. He does have that. And if you're playing, for example, in a situation where you want to, uh, you want a zone blitz and you want to take that, that rush guy and drop him in your zone blitz, Lucetta absolutely can do that. Can I follow up on Smith real quick? Can you, given his athleticism and you look at his athletic profile, as you mentioned, Steve, it's off the charts. Do you think he could yeah. be an edge guy if you decide, you know what, we don't want to make you think too much, Brandon. We don't want you to have to figure this out. We just want you to say, do you see that guy oh, yeah. taking the snap? Go get that dude. <laughs> do you think yeah. he would be able to do that, or do you think maybe he's not quite physical enough for that? No, I think he can do that, and I think he might excel at doing that because I think you make a really good point where now you're one-on-one outside with a tackle. Right. Right, and you can then use your speed, and you can use not just your athleticism, but your upper body physical strength to get around somebody. He could handle that, and he, I think he would be very good at that. All right, now I got a player I got to ask you about, Steve, before we let you go, and he really yep. puzzles me. Your left tackle, Rasheed Walker, at six six three ten. I think he's going to yep. wind up being an early third day pick. But here's the thing, yep. right? I wrote down. I love his athleticism. Gets off the snap. Uses his hands yeah. well with a nice strike, can get to the second level. But I got questions about his strength, about his ability yeah. to lock on and drive block. And I had some recognition issues where it looked like sometimes he just wasn't he wasn't seeing his assignment correctly. Now, if you can clean that little stuff up, I think he's going to be a hell of a steal for somebody. I think uh, you know, you're talking about maybe the fourth round. Somebody getting him, I think he'd be a big plus for somebody because he played the second half of last season banged up, and I think that made a big difference in what you're what you're talking about because when they played Michigan, he you know he gave it a shot. Hutchinson started the game and Hutchinson got him pretty good a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Then as the game went, as the game went, he settled in, did a much better job on Hutchinson, and that allowed Penn State to come back in that game and take the lead. Uh, and he is somebody that has good feet. Long arms, good extension, can get back where you're talking about. And if he has good communication you know, on the offensive line, it'll clean up what you're talking about because that's, that's what they're going to need is better communication on the offensive line. All right, Steve. 
I don't get to talk about these guys very often because my two co-hosts here don't really let me do it much. But you know, Jordan Stout. Okay, so I got to we got a little we got a little bit of time. No, he was gonna squeeze him in. We just knew it. I'm going to. I got to. I love this. Okay, but I I mean, listen. I mean, you kind of follow. I know he transferred from Virginia Tech, so he came to uh, Penn State and really has had an amazing career there. Talk to me a little bit about his leg strength and you know what he's brought for that uh, Penn State defense, really. Well, I mean, Jeff, I mean, this is, I think he, let's get to the seventh round. He's a draftable guy. Sure. Uh, there's no getting around it because he can do all three things if right. you need it. Now, I yep. realize in the NFL they prefer you to do two. And I'll also point, it, point out that if you are the punter, most teams have the punter hold. Mm-hmm. Jordan Stout, even though he was the field goal kicker this past season, was the holder the year before. Sure. So he can do that and brings that skill to the table. High punts. Great hang time, right in that 45, 46 range, 47 range for the most part. Kickoff guy, one touchback after another. It got to the point where, just as, as a gag, he'd kick it off, and I'd pick out whatever hometowns were around the stadium <laughs> that we were in at the time, and I'd say, you know, that one's headed to Clearwater, that one's headed to Jackson, <laughs> you know, yeah. Tremendously. Because, because he, he'd knock everything out of the end zone. Uh, he's the all-time record holder for the longest field goal in Penn State history. Knocked home a 57-yarder. He knocked home 650-yarder plus in his career, which is going to, you know, which is going to be a plus. So if a team wants to go with a long field goal, he's the guy. But his consistency as a punter really improved from his junior to his senior season. The kickoff part was always there. And yes, I also add in that he has an entire season under his belt as a holder because we know in the NFL that is also valued. Sure. Ah. The more, the more you can do, and he's, he's got a big leg. He can definitely kick off. He'll be the punter, and then obviously the punter and the kicker back each other up. So if you ever had an injury at that position, you know he could come in and kick an extra point for you, or even maybe get make you a field goal to yeah. win a game or something. Hey, I think he, I think he's a steal in the late rounds. I do. I think somebody gets him, they're going to go, oh, we solved a lot of problems here. Yeah. Steve, I want to ask you about uh, Tariq Castro-Fields real quick because I think he's probably going to be a fourth or a fifth-round pick. Thumbnail, more of a man guy, more of a zone guy, yeah. press off. What, what would a team get if they drafted uh, Castro-Fields? Four, year, four years now. You know, he played two games one year, so in the five years here, never once gave up a touchdown pass. Let's start with that. Fourth, four, three, eight, I think he ran in Indianapolis. Quick, really, uh, this guy, film commits it to memory, understands the game, uh, play corner, never really had to play slot corner. So I never really saw him do that even in practice, guys. Uh, so I didn't see him do that. But this guy is somebody that's a real technician out there, really good cover guy, and you get in the red zone, he locks you down. Good stuff, Steve. Tremendous. Thanks Thank so you, much. Uh, anything you want to tell the folks about that you're doing or you're up to or you want to promote? Uh, hey, all we're doing is we, you know, Jack and I have the blue-white game here on Saturday. Uh, scrimmage with about fifty to 70,000 people. The USFL would love to have a crowd like that. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, as, as you well know, there are thousands upon Crazy. thousands of, of Penn State alumni in the New York area. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are very excited for the blue-white game. Thank you so much for the time, man. Enjoy it. Thanks, Steve. Hey, hey guys. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Big Giants fan. Oh, great. Well, Steve, hopefully they wind like up with a couple that. of these. And I would keep an eye on that second-round pick. Maybe one of these Penn State guys can match up. We'll see. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> we'll see. Have a good Thanks, one, guys. Steve. Yep. Appreciate it. That's Steve Jones from, from Penn State. Interesting. Boy, that must be fun being in the box with uh, Jack Ham. Oh, it huh? must be great. Wow.
you know, Dotson's a wide receiver that doesn't get No, you don't hear much about him about, right now. He gets yeah. lost in that end of the first tier. But he, look, for me, and I'll bring my little chart here real quick. Didn't I pick him in our mock draft? When did we do a mock draft? I Last have your week. mock draft. I have your oh, mock draft. Oh, yeah, not for the Giants. For someone else, I think right. you did. Maybe the Chiefs? I, I had him going somewhere. I just can't, well, I don't, hold on. I don't I, have the I, copy I of can, our draft. I can bring it up. Hold on. I did, I did select him for somebody. First round draft order. This is the mock draft. Da, 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 da. File opening. BBK mock. You selected Jahan Dotson to the Lions at pick 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Dotson. Yeah. All right. So I look at my list here, and we start a little bit late, so uh, we'll, we'll wrap here in a minute. But, you know, he's right in that same mix. Like, I have... Nine guys that I'm good picking in the top 50. Nine. And he's right in the middle, right? You have Wilson, Williams, London, Moore, Olave, Dotson, Burks, Pickens, and Watson. Mm -hmm. Those are my nine. And it wouldn't shock me. And this is why wide receiver, to me, it's, it's tough to decide when to pick your guy. It wouldn't surprise me if any of those nine guys has the most productive first year in the NFL. It could be any one of those nine, and it would not surprise me. It all depends on where they go. It's a passing league. Mm-hmm. So, look, Dotson's he's you know, fast. He, he's got great hands. Great he's hands. Physical. Passing league that stresses speed. There's yeah. no reason to think that anybody, anybody amongst those guys could emerge. You know, Why not? And by the way, I don't think he's quite in that group, but you know what else I think is really good? Have you watched Jalen Tolbert yet, Paul? Uh, let me look at the notes. Now, he's a South Alabama guy, so he's an FCS guy. I figured you'd be all over him. Well, let me see what I wrote down on him. I watched him last night. My I, brain is fried, no, John, after I, the last no, three weeks. Trust, trust me. me. I get it. So that, that, i got to look at my notes. That's why we have notes. That's it. We have to. <laughs> yes. God knows we need him on draft night, too. Oh, what do I have? Do I have him? Do I have, have Tolbert as a straight second-round pick. I think he's going to be good. I wrote I had him playing uh, – I, th- I think he can play split end as well as flanker. Yep, uh, I was happy. I said he was fluid, physical, has quicks, and has a terrific release. I had issues with his routes, his motor, and his focus. Okay. So where does that put him? Third round? I, I, I don't know. I like him in the late second, but I could see that. I have, I have him ahead of Mechie. I have him ahead of Mechie. Yeah, I would think so. Mechie? You know what Mechie reminds me of? He's Jarvis Landry to me. Okay. He doesn't have the speed to, like, get deep on you, but if you want, like, a guy that's going to catch a seven-yard pass on third and four, John Mechie's your guy. Medical issue, though. Got to remember well, that. Well, I, I can't I'm just talking about the No, talk. I got I can't you. I got on the medical stuff. But if you want a possession guy and out of the slot that's going to convert a third and five for you, John Mechie's your guy. More importantly, Jeff found his punter. And it's funny, Jeff. It, this is a fair question, Jeff. Who would okay, you good. pick, the Penn State guy, or, or would you pick the San Diego State kid? I, I got him probably pretty close to, to both. But here's the thing about both of those guys: both of those guys do they play all three positions? They kick off, they field goals, and they punt. But do you so, like the 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 cannon leg or the? They more, both have or, cannon legs. Yeah, yeah, well, but no one has a cannon leg like the San Diego State kid, and no. I think the Penn State kid is probably a little bit more precise, right? Different climate too, which could also have an impact. Yeah. Right, Jeff. Always yeah, easier I was to just kick say, in San Diego. Depends on who you are. Like for instance, if I was drafting a punter for the Giants, I would take the guy from Penn State, knowing that he's going to be able to kick in cold weather, um, and not only just in games, it's just be able to practice. You know, I mean, that's a big thing, too, guys. You know, you play 60 minutes of a game, but you practice yeah. all week. Mm-hmm. So you got to be able to have some mental toughness going out there like Joe Judge did 
Which, by the way, I, I had I had read and read. Somebody told me that the Giants the whole time that Joe Judge was there, they never practiced in the bubble or in the field. House. They almost always <laughs> practice outside. That's yeah. correct. So I mean, I want somebody that's going to be able to handle that type of training regimen. So I would take the guy, the Penn State guy, because. You know, I mean, the guy out there in San Diego. I mean, uh, I mean, if it's sixty degrees, he's got a Duraflame in there, and he's got a blanket curled and, up in the corner. And, and, and by the way, that <laughs> and by the way, that guy's probably going in the fifth round, while the Penn State guy's going in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah. there, those two. I think those are the two guys that will get drafted this year. There yeah, won't be any so others. Too. So, so um, and I think that's you know the the punters and kickers again. Those are the teams that they wait and the, at the end. Um, but. Um, I'm telling you guys, listen, the Giants are not a uh, to me are not a great situation at the punting position right now. So Scottish Hammer. Well, I listen. He's uh, he's yeah yeah. The guy looks like an extra from Braveheart. Like he he, <laughs> he, actually, really he, he looks like an extra from Braveheart. Yeah, but I mean, he's not an American football guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he's a rugby player, and, and he just I, I just feel like you know he's got a lot of work to do. But not that he can't make it, but I feel like, you know, maybe some competition yeah, in a absolutely. late round draft pick, maybe, you know? Uh, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, you never know. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have, I already have Notre Dame booked. I'm working on Clemson. If Washington gets back to you, Paul, and they can do it tomorrow, just let me know what time. I and will. we'll squeeze them in. And those will be our last schools. Then we Notre are Dame. done, boys. Okay, and guys. What'd you say? Notre Dame, and I'm working on Clemson, and oh, we're yeah. working on, and maybe Washington will come okay. through too. We'll see. We're, we've been working on that for a couple of days. It's tough on the West Coast. I don't have much room left through. in my binder here. My the little three ring binder is getting really thick, so uh, we're yeah. almost done. Well, that's that's a good thing. It should yep. be getting thick at this time of year. Yep. For Paul Dottino and Jeff Figos, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you uh, on Friday at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then.